when Pastor Mike asked me to uh, share with you, uh, a couple things dropped in my heart. Um, we just had a Wings weekend where we bring, uh, we had about 40 young ministry leaders uh, for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They come in and we uh, just pour into them. In fact, one, one of the cohorts of 20 uh, went through Mike Cavanaugh's uh, preaching course. They actually take his whole, he takes his whole course and squeezes it down into those three days. And they actually have to, uh, they actually, they come on Thursday, on Saturday, they actually do a 10-minute uh, sermon that gets evaluated. So you can imagine the pressure uh, that, they're, that they're under. But with some awesome, just some really awesome stuff, we had, a, we had a really good time. I wanted to kind of talk to you about, uh, a little bit about growth uh, and about the importance of having, you know, believing in each other, having somebody believe in you. Uh, that's what, you know, I know that's what changed my life when people believed in me. And sometimes we don't, you know, sometimes we have an attitude that, that God doesn't believe in us. You know, I, I know that, that's what, that was one of my biggest struggles is that I really, even after I became a Christian, it kind of was lingering there that God really didn't, uh, he didn't really believe in me. You know, that I was kind of part of the family, but uh, he didn't have much for me. I, I, I kind of, I thought he still had a bit of an attitude with me. And the reason, some of the reason for that was kind of my upbringing. I was brought up, uh, and I'm going to talk about the Catholic, uh, Catholic faith a little bit because that's where I came from. But I was brought up uh, Catholic and went to eight years of Catholic school. And uh, some of those nuns can be ruthless. I mean, uh, they, were, they were pretty tough. You know, they, they wanted you. You had to line up. You had to be perfect. Uh, you know, to, and, and they, they made that clear. I mean, the littlest mistake, uh, one time in third grade, I, I forgot to put, fill all my blanks in in one of these uh, lessons that we had. And for every blank, I, got, I, had to, I had to get in front of the class, bend over, and they had the 18-inch ruler. And as a little kid, third grade, I don't know how, probably 9 to 10 years old, I'm getting whacked. I got whacked like 14 times, uh, you know, with that ruler. And it just went on from there. I mean, I was always in trouble. Sixth grade, I popped a, I popped a bag uh, in, in the cafeteria. And, man, Sister Winifred went bananas on me. And then she broke her nail. Uh, while she's smacking me, she broke her nail. And then she really went ballistic on me. I mean, uh, one time she made me kneel in front of the class uh, for 30 minutes a day for a week, uh, and, and she would pour holy water on me, cast out the demons. And uh, after I did come to Christ, my mom told me, well, it must have worked, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and, then, and then when in fourth grade or third grade, they, uh, they would pick altar boys. These were guys that would help out at the, at the masses, at the, at the Catholic service. They had uh, two, two boys that would help out. And you had to be good, man. You had to, and they let me know. Some, two of my brothers became altar boys because they had the right grades, but they weren't going to let me do it. You know, they said, no, no way. And I thought it would really be cool to be an altar boy. I don't know if you've been to a Catholic church, you know, you get to ring the bells and stuff. And, uh, you know, because Catholic Mass is really boring. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it was like, whoa. Uh, same thing every single time. And, uh, you know, it's just, I never understood really why the Catholic priest was the only one getting to drink the wine, because I think that would have really helped out the edge of the boringness. You know, how come he gets that? And also the host, when they did communion, the host with, uh, at Catholics, it sticks to the roof of your mouth. You know, I, I could use some wine to wash it, Jesus down, you know, because oh, I got Jesus sticking to the roof of my mouth here, and it's very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Uh, and the bells always reminded me kind of like the ice cream man is coming. You know, it's like, oh, what's that, what's that, what's that? But no, uh, only the priest got to drink the wine, and the bells gave, didn't give you any ice cream. 
And if you weren't perfect, if you didn't measure up, if you didn't do it exactly the way the nuns and the priests said, uh, they drilled into me because I got in trouble all the time. I had ADHD before it was uh, fashionable, and so I, I, was, uh, I was constantly in trouble. And what they drilled into me is that God only loves good boys. God only loves the people who can do it all right. You know, they can dress right, they can talk right, they can get all the grades right, they, you know, everything's right. And then God loves you. Then you can serve God. But if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're one of those people who likes to draw outside the lines, if you're one of those people that don't get it right, that sin once in a while, that uh, do things that uh, God doesn't really want you to do, uh, then forget it. You're way out there. And so I kind of grew up feeling like uh, I'm never going to measure up. I I grew up feeling like I'm a bad person, and I'm probably always going to be a bad person because even when I tried to turn over a new leaf, you know, uh, it seemed like that leaf got crumbled pretty quickly. Uh, I just never thought I could do enough and be enough uh, for somehow for God to love me. And even after I came to Christ, all that shame of I'm a broken person, I'm a misfit, you know. Uh, I'm like one of those toys and and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I was on Misfit Island, you know. Who's going to want me because I'm broken? And, uh, and, and all, that, all that stuff still uh, filtered into even after I came to Christ. And uh, I, I, w- one of the things that helped me, though, is uh, there's a, actually a story in the Bible. Uh, in fact, this story, it's so full of, like, grace and the love of God. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like over-the-top grace. It's, the story I'm going to read you is so uh, exaggerated that God loves us no matter what he loves us, that a lot of people didn't even want it to be in the Bible. You know, like in my Bible, it has a little, there's a little like uh, parentheses, and it says, now this story isn't in all the most ancient uh, manuscripts and stuff. And I think the reason why people had a hard time with this is because, oh, wait, 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 that, that's just too much grace. That's, that's like, you know, reckless love. You know, it's like, that's too much love. But this story, I want to read you, especially anybody here, that you've done something wrong or you're like me, you continue to do things wrong or that you have a past of, uh, you know, that is just wrong and, and, you're, and you're still filled with shame. You're still filled with this, uh, this sense that God doesn't love me as much as everybody else and God couldn't use me as much because you're feeling broken. You're feeling like, you, you know, you can't measure up. You feel down deep inside. You feel like a bad person and that God couldn't love you because you just can't get it right. This story in John chapter 8 is for people like uh, you and me. And I, I want to read it to you. John 8. Uh, starting at verse 1, you could turn there or put it on your phones, or you could just listen to me and trust that I'm reading it right, one or the other. Uh, here it is. It says in John 8, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. But what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down, and he starts to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightens back up and says to them, well, 
Let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at it. And again, he stooped down and began to write on the ground again. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened back up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I mean, it's, isn't it an incredible story? The, I mean, it's aggressive grace, aggressive favor, uh, for, especially for people who, and really we should all be there because all of sin falls short of the glory of God. And from what I can tell, we, we continue to sin and fall short of the glory of God. We should all be there, but especially for people that you feel caught in a sin, you feel caught in some shortcoming, some, some place of failure that, that dogs you, you know, that, 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 that at night when, you're, when you're, uh, your head hits the pillow and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to get to sleep and, and, and it's there. It's, it's, it's that, that, that failure, that mistake, that sin. It's, a, it's, it's just there. And it's, this, this, uh, this story just tells us that God's amazing the way he treats people who are caught in a sin, who are caught in uh, missing the mark, who are lost, people who, again, uh, draw outside the lines, who feel like, feel like they just want to be a little creative. You know, because uh, sometimes the church is all about uh, being uh, like everybody else, but uh, I don't think that's the way God created us. And so if you're there, you're lost, you took a wrong turn, you're confused, you know, you can't get it right, imagine this woman. I mean, where, where she must have been at. Like, she must have been wondering, I would imagine... She must have been like, how, did, how in the world did I get here? You know what I'm saying? You know, because you ever feel that way sometimes? Like, wow, how did I get here? You know, she's, she's ripped, she's literally ripped from uh, the bed, you know, uh, caught in the act. I don't know. I don't know if she still had her uh, Victoria's Secret outfit on or if she was doing the walk of shame. But I don't know, because listen, Jesus, it says Jesus bent down. And he's drawn in the dirt. I think it's because he didn't want to look. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, Dad, you know, uh, what do we do here? Uh, <laughs> we got a real situation, Dad. You know, uh, need a few moments just to kind of ponder this. And he's trying to keep his head down. And, uh, you know, and, uh, but here she is. This was the Bible study of Bible studies. I bet the next week this place was packed out, this Bible study. Because the word got around. Did you hear what happened at that Jesus' Bible study? Some woman was there half naked. And, uh, you know, people, you know, the Pharisees accusing her. I mean, it was wild stuff. You know, I'd be like, I think I'm going to get to that one. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm going to check this one out, you know. First thing in the morning. That'll be an eye-opener for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you certainly, you know, that, that certainly was Facebook worthy. It wasn't, you know, we got an Instagram this baby good thing they didn't have that back then you couldn't Facebook live that one without some uh, black lines blocking things out I guess but you know if anybody would have felt condemned uh, I think this uh, this woman was and these these guys were saying hey the Bible says she should die you know and it's a weird way to use the Bible isn't it that uh, you know you know what do you say Jesus well what Jesus says when you're in that situation and you're you're there you're 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 caught you're it, she is she is guilty you know what what does God do he believes in you anyway and 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 he, it's, it says he changes his position 
God moves when you are caught in a sin. I want you to see this, that, that God moves and changes his position to get into a place where he can still favor us. I mean, his love is reckless. His love is beyond measure. His, 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 uh, his, his believing in us is beyond what we could ever imagine, that here she is caught and guilty, and she's broke the law, and yet Jesus changes positions. You know, he, he's, he, he's stooping down. It's, uh, it's just, it's amazing amazing what God will do that he starts he, he's, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty he's he's somehow doing something in the dirt there but that's what God does he he gets uncomfortable he's been doing it you know from creation he was getting his hands dirty for us because he, he formed us out of mud you know uh, all, all, all through it you know his uh, in the Old Testament his finger was writing on on, on stone tablets remember he's again he's getting dirty for us he's uh, he's getting out of position for us he Jesus, uh, he left heaven. Talk about being uncomfortable in order to show us favor. Jesus gives up all of heaven, pours out all of his God stuff, gets rid of it, and, and uh, becomes a man. But first he's got to like be, be inside of a, of, of a woman, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, talk about like uncomfortable and a little messy uh, the birth, I mean, if you've ever seen a birth, it's like, it isn't beautiful at all. You know, I don't, I, 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 the first time, the first birth of my one son, my first son, I was like, oh my God, this is disgusting. You know, it's like, you know, it was just bad. And, uh, it, it, but Jesus did all that. Not only that, he was born not in some beautiful hospital, but he was born in a, in a dog bowl. You know, he was born in a, in a feeding trough. I mean, you know, he had to be, he had to come from Nazareth where, you know, what, can anything good come from there? I mean, this is what he's doing he's he's getting as uncomfortable as he can be positioning himself for our favor and it goes beyond that he continues to stoop I mean he stooped down to uh to to wash his disciples feet he stooped down again to be whipped and and beaten and he he, he laid lower in order to lay on that cross and uh, and be nailed to the cross and then he went lower yet he even he even went to the grave and beyond the grave it says somehow that he went lower than that I mean how low can he get? As low as you are, Jesus will go lower to be able to lift you back up. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, because this woman, she's, she is caught in the act. And the Bible says she should die. I think it's a weird thing to use the Bible as kind of a judgment thing there. But, but, but God is always positioning himself for my favor and for your favor. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he's going to arrange himself. If we can see it, see, because if we're blinded by our sin and our shame and our, our broken, kind of our brokenness, uh, we may not even see that he's on our side, even though we've done all these things wrong. Even though we continue to do things wrong, he's still on our side. And, and so it's, uh, we need God to break through to show us that he's constantly, he's constantly working and making himself uncomfortable. God literally makes himself uncomfortable to, to make us comfortable. To, that when we're in our uncomfort. And, and then he kind of, you know, he kind of says to these guys, uh, you know, when, when, when these guys challenge him, and he's like, uh, you guys are using the word as binoculars, and you should be using the word as a mirror. You see, what he's saying is, why don't you... Uh, why don't why don't you uh, let the word work on you first before you start pointing the fingers at other people? You know, because when you read the word and you're kind of looking out there at everybody else, uh, it gets us into trouble. 
You know, we're, gonna, we're using the word wrong when we do that because it should be a mirror. How am I doing? Well, how, how, uh, where, where, do, where do I need to change? You know, and these guys are just, you know, uh, very impatient about it and just looking at how can they uh, trap somebody. But Jesus is saying, uh, look at yourself first. And he, he, he's basically saying this. He's saying to these guys, uh, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your own eye, how can you say to your brother, you know, let me take that speck out of your eye when you've got like a two by, you know, two by eight plank in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. Take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You know that uh, it's a mirror, not binoculars. And, that, and, and, and you know, when, when people start using it as binoculars against you, you can just remind yourself, no, it's a mirror. They, they, they've, they've got it wrong. And that's what, that's what Jesus is saying to these guys. He's saying... Uh, the, that listen, whoever whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. You know, and because he's basically, I think. He, then it's on now. Isn't that amazing? It's like I guess I'm supposed to be done now. I guess I don't know. Uh, what was I saying? Oh. Um, the when, here's the thing when when you have a speck you, Jesus was very funny really if you read if you can read the Bible without your religious trappings it's really a funny funny book you know because what do you you, could you 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 have to just imagine somebody with like a you know a two by four sticking one time I I like watching those ER programs and I uh, you know and one of the one of the the real life ones a guy had a he literally had a, a part of a fence post. Literally, right in, right in his head that they had to remove, you know. Now, you, you imagine this guy has a, a, a two-inch pipe sticking into his eye and into his head. Could you imagine him saying to the doctor, uh, Doc, you got a little, little something hanging out of your nose there I want to fix, you know. It would be like, really? You know, you know uh, I, I don't think you're in any position to tell me I've got something, a problem here, you know. And that's what Jesus is saying. You know, you guys, he's saying, you guys are so messed up. Uh, you know, you, you just, you, you. You're, and yet you're trying to tell somebody, uh, you know, how to, how to live their life. He's saying, get your own life in order first. You know, it's like when I, I did uh, construction for a while, we used to do uh, we used to do aluminum siding back when back when uh, they had aluminum siding. And yeah, uh, you know, one of the things I, I worked the table. My brother was in owned the business. He would be on the ladder, and he would call stuff down to me, and I'd have to cut. And we cut with a uh, a circular saw. And every now and then, because I would back then, I didn't wear any safety glasses or anything like that. Every now and then, a aluminum aluminum splinter would lodge in my eye, and I'd, I'd be like, I'd be trying to get it out, you know, uh, you know, trying to work with the eye. Just, my eye would be like, you know, all fuzzy, and uh, 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 I'd be like crying. And finally, what I'd have to do is I'd have to yell up to my brother, "Hey, Mike, I." Uh, I, I got something in my eye again, you know, and he'd be like all ticked off because we're wasting time. He'd come down, what do you got there? And uh, he'd look at it. You know, I'd say, well, can you look at this? And here, here's what we would do. Back then, we used to smoke cigarettes a lot. And so we would take ma a match head. You take a match head off the book, cardboard match head, and you take the cardboard end, not the end that you light. And uh, you take that cardboard end, and you just touch that aluminum splinter in the eye, and it pulls it right out. It's really amazing. And now you know how to, in case you get an aluminum splinter, you're now prepared to be able to get it out. But here's the point. My brother wasn't up on the ladder yelling down to me, hey, Joe, I think you've got a problem with your eye down there. Let me fix it for you. You know, no. You see, I had a problem with my eye. 
I had to go to him and say to him, hey, could you help me out here? Could you get this out? And see, that, that's, that's the way it should be working, is that uh, we're, we're waiting for people to come to us and that we're helping, we're helping one, one another out. You see, but these guys, these guys, weren't, these guys weren't there. And, and so, you know, I can just see them when Jesus is starting to say, well, you can stone her. You know, I can just see them, you know, you know just, just getting ready to whip that thing at them. And then he says, well, he who is without sin, you know, throw that. And then all of a sudden you just see the and they're starting to walk away. Now, I don't know why the Bible says there's a reason why. It must be a reason why it says the older first and then the younger that they left. And I kind of wonder. I wonder if Jesus wasn't writing down the names of the women that those guys were messing around with. You know what I'm saying? You know, and they were like, oh, boy, I'm out of here, you know, because I don't, I, don't I don't want to see. But I don't, know what he was, I don't know what he was writing. The interesting thing is in the Old Testament, the finger of God wrote on tablets of stone that couldn't be changed very easily. But in the New Testament, I see his finger writing there and uh, on, in sand, and, you know, that it can kind of be uh, wiped away. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's, again, a picture, a picture of grace. And uh, so Jesus, you know, he gets back up and asks this woman, hey, where are your accusers? And he says this. He says, I'm not accusing you either. And I think that's a word. That's a word we have to get. That, and it really freed me to know that God's not accusing me anymore. He's not, he's not holding it against me. He, he, he doesn't hold it against me. He's not, like the, he's not like those religious people that are pointing their finger and say, Joe, you're, you're a mess up. You're a screw up. You'll never be anything. It, this whole story tells me that God goes to great lengths to silence the accuser. Sometimes it's the inner critic in me that uh, I, I, can be, I can be hypercritical of myself. And, you know, people who make a lot of mistakes, they learn to be hypercritical of themselves. But Jesus is saying, no, we're going to silence that voice. And we're going to silence the voice of the accuser, you know, the devil who is, I think, like 24-7 accusing before God. He loves to accuse us and, and knock us out of the game because of a sin. But listen, Jesus came because we're sinners, and we, we, as far as I'm concerned, I know, I know you can argue it, but I know that I make mistakes every day. In fact, I, wonder, I worry about going to heaven because I wonder, I wonder this, that when we get to heaven, are we going to know everything? Like, will my wife know everything that I was thinking? You know, do you think that? Because if she's mad about what I said... I'm in deep trouble about what I was thinking. You know what I'm saying? I think there'll be tears in heaven for a little while because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only husband that's got this problem. Like, you know, you know, like I've learned to cut short things that I'm saying. I'm getting there after 35 years, but I still do it. But back in this head here, it's, there's still some sinful things being said. You know what I'm saying? And so I need Jesus. I need Jesus to help me silence that critic, uh, silence the accuser. I need his blood. I need his blood every day. I'm under the blood of Jesus. And that's what, that's, what G, that's what he's saying here is that, that he'll, he'll, he'll silence the accusing voices that you're not good enough. You know, you, you, you failed again. Uh, that, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he still has a plan for us. If I could just, I'm just going to quickly pivot over to John 13. I'm going from John 8 to John 13. But I just want, I want you to see this because this stuff, this stuff really did change my life. When I realized that God loves bad boys. Because I used to think, I got, I got to measure up. And I'm, I'm never going to measure up. When I became a Christian, I saw all these really good people. Nice and kind and gentle. And I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to do this. 
And what, 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 what freed me up is I'm allowed to be who I am because God can't deal with somebody that you're not. You know what I'm saying? When you're, if you're always pretending to be somebody else, God can't do anything with you because he's waiting for you to be yourself. But anyway, in John 13, Jesus is washing feet. These dirty, uh, dunky, dung, encrusted toe jam, right? And it's, his, it's one of his last nights. He's facing the most excruciating death that he can, that he can face. And he's going to wash his disciples, his friends' feet. And I want you to know something. He washed Judas's feet. He washed Peter's feet. When he gets to Peter, Peter's like, no, Lord, no, not that. Let's talk about the miracles. Let's talk about walking on water. But Jesus said, no, if I can't have the dirty part of you, then our relationship is super shallow. In fact, he almost goes as far as to say, we don't have a relationship if you don't give me the, if you don't give me the wrong parts of you, the smelly parts, the stinky parts. The, and, 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 and then Peter's like, oh, man, give me a whole shower and stuff. You know, it's like, well, pee, 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 keep the clothes on, okay? You know, we're just going to bathe the feet here, you know, because that's the way Peter was, right? I could see him all of a sudden, son, I'll rip his clothes on. Let's shower. Let's do it. Pete, Pete, we're in a group here, okay? Uh, you know, reel it back in. You got to like Peter. And, but here's the thing. Not only there is Jesus saying to Peter, because he's really burning something and tattooing into him that I'm not looking for perfection. I want the stuff that you've done wrong. I'm going to take it right on him. I'm not afraid of that. And, and Peter, listen, you know Peter. He made all, all sorts of mistakes. And, in fact, right after this story, he drank too much wine at this, at this last supper. When they're over in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's falling asleep, you know, because, because he had too much sacramental wine. And so there. Then he's lying, and he, three times he's denying, and he's lying about, about, I don't know the guy, I don't know the guy, I don't know the guy, you know, like just, just totally blowing it. In fact, Peter's one of the guys, I don't think there's anybody else in the Bible that God, that Jesus uh, had a nickname for, you know, kind of pulled a Trump thing and got a nickname for him, and he called him Satan. Yeah, you remember, there's a story in the Bible where, uh, get behind me, Satan, he said. Now, my wife, I've done lots of crazy things. We've had some knockdown, drag out fights. She's never called me Satan in all the years we've been married. You know, but, but Pete gets that label from Jesus. I mean, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You know, it's like, right. then, then Peter's cutting off a guy's ear. You know, I could just see, you know, at the, uh, you, know, I, you know, it's like, oh, Pete, what are you doing? You know, for Pete's sake, you know, puts, Jesus puts that thing back on there, you know, like uh, just throwing it off. But with all that Peter's done wrong, with all that he's done wrong, and you go, go through it. I didn't give you everything that he's done wrong. Who gets picked? Who gets chosen? Now, it was probably a joke among the Trinity on who do we get to give the first sermon when the Holy Spirit gets poured out. And one of them said, let's give it to Peter because it would be a trip to see what he does with this thing, you know. But 40, 40 days, 40 days after his big mess-ups, Pete gets, he gets the call. You're the man. You're going to do it. You're going to preach this sermon. And the Holy Spirit falls on him, and he preaches a sermon. And 3,000 people come to Jesus, and the church is born by a guy who was labeled Satan by Jesus not, not long before, by a guy who denied Christ three times only 40 days before. Now, come on. If, if that should put any one of us in good standing with God, that any one of us, that if you're, you're selling yourself short, that uh, I, I, I could never be this, or I, I, could never, I could never change the world, I could, I, could, I could never have an impact like so-and-so. No, no. If Peter, if Peter can have the impact where he starts the church, where 3,000 people, and he went on to do other great things, you can do it. It's just understanding that, that God is working overtime. Overtime, he, he's reckless. He's he's uh, 
extravagant beyond measure with his favor for you. And he's, he's contorting himself. You look at this story, three or four times it talks about Jesus moving his body. He's contorting himself to be able to be on your side beyond measure. So a couple minutes left. Uh, what, what I'd like to do, if you, if you want to pray, if you're, if you're in a spot where you just feel stuck, um, or, you, you know, you're dealing with some stuff from the past where you know that it's, it's hindering where you are today and where you're going. You know, there's some limiting, like some limiting beliefs some, and some lies, and, and, or it's, it's, you, you're not able to really grab hold of this grace thing. Because, you know, religious people, they kill you with, with the word of God. They, they knock you out. There's some churches, they shoot their wounded. But that's not what Jesus does. He's always bringing life. And I, I want to be able to, I, I pray with you. Uh, it's not going to be a magical prayer, but just a prayer that would, uh, I want to lay a hand on you. And uh, Josh will help me. Just that you're going to, your mind and your spirit will be open to see the incredible love of God. It's not, a, it's not love like people. It's a love that is getting on your side. It's a, he's, he's positioning himself to launch you out, just like he did for Peter. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence in this room. Thank you for the, the anointing that Elam Bible Institute uh, flows in, uh, the, the heritage of this place. I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to move in powerful ways in people's lives, even those that don't come forward, even if nobody came forward, Lord, that you're going to break into their places of shame, their places of condemnation, their places of guilt, the places where they accuse themselves, and the enemy comes in and, and reinforces that accusation, and that you'd begin to remove those things so that the sky would be the limit, that in this room there'd be people like Peter and people like this woman and others that you've transformed from places of real lostness and brokenness and brought them into an amazing, abundant, filled life. I'm asking you to do it, Lord. I know you can. I know you're able. And I know there's some people who need it. They need a, a, a weight of and a darkness of condemnation over them to be lifted and broken, that you can still do something incredibly amazing through them and with them. And I'm asking in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks a lot. You were a lot of fun to talk to. But we will be here for prayer.